Welcome to the Raise the Roof, Remove the Walls podcast. Andy and Joe here with you again. Hi, guys. And uh, this week, uh, we're back with another song. Uh, we're going to be talking about Unity Hymn by... Uh, Mike Donahue. Donahue. Don- yeah, Mike Donahue, uh, formerly and possibly soon to be again of 10th Avenue North. Um, I knew I forgot to write something down in my notes. Yeah, Mike Donahue. Um, 10th Avenue North, by the way, has has an awesome uh, video of Deck the Halls. If you're ever really? looking for some fun, uh, they may, it's like, they, yeah, it's hilarious. They play some like paper instruments. There's people <laughs> running around in polar bear I, costumes. It's, I, just, I, I was really sorry when they broke up because I really liked their music because it was one of those groups that really made me think and examine some things in some of their songs. So I like that. Yeah. Well, this song, I, the way, uh, the, how we got to this song was about a month ago, my pastor played this song at the end of worship service, and it really spoke to me, but I didn't slice half the idea who this Mike Donahue was, you know, <laughs> and uh, when I talked to him, he, oh, he used to be with 10th Avenue North, oh, yeah, but I really like the lyrics to this song, I really do. Um, so let's, let's dive into those lyrics, uh, here's the first verse, uh, it says, Christ, come have mercy on us, come and mend what we separate. We are divided over things that are not your heart. Spirit, come show us the way. Yeah, I mean, I love the way he starts. He's asking Jesus to have mercy on us. And, and when you read the rest of that verse, you realize he's, he's not asking God to have mercy on necessarily the whole nation, though it could be. But I really took this as having mercy on us as a church, as the church, um, because we are. Uh, our nation's divided, obviously, but our church is divided, too. Um, and then he says, Jesus, come and mend what separates us, acknowledging that he's the only one who can, out of his mercy, mend the separation, whether it be in a nation's heart, in a church's heart, or an individual's heart, that separation from Jesus. Um, I thought of the, the verse that really spoke to me here is Ephesians 2, 4 where if I can find it in the Bible but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us um, I love the idea of God being grace, mercy and love Now I know he's many other things, he's righteousness he's holiness, he's all that but this idea that, that it's not that we deserve anything he does for us but it's this idea that he, he out of his mercy he's going to come and, and mend us and, and, and then the, the convicting line to me is we're divided over things that are not your heart. It, yeah. it's, God just, God is not a God of disorder, a God of peace. He's not a God of division. He's a God of unity. And for us to be separated over things that are essential, you know, um, Paul tells Timothy, don't get involved in civilian affairs. Don't, don't let all these things out here that are really not that important separates you from what is essential and uh, Jesus is really essential that's that's who we're here proclaiming and uh, he's he's Lord he's head of the church and then he ends this by he says spirit come and show us the way so he's asking the Holy Spirit and only the Holy Spirit can show us what to do and how to do it I mean Jesus says I only do what my father I see my father doing I only speak the words that he gives me and I have been on the I guess the initiating of things in my life, even as pastor, that I was like, I want to do this. I think this is what we need to do. 
we're going to go do it. God, no, you please bless it. Instead of letting <laughs> spirit lead, I'm leading and praying that God will bless this thing that I'm doing. And that never worked very well. See, I like this first verse because he's really starting out saying the things that are separating us are not of God. And the only person who can change that is when we listen and follow the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And man, that, like you said, that line about, you know, we're divided over things that are not your heart. That, Sadly, that hits way, way too close to home, especially uh, as a Southern Baptist, honestly, um, just transparency there that, man, you want to talk about a group of people that know how to separate themselves over things that are not God's heart, um, find a Baptist and ask them what type they are, because there's plenty of them. I mean, you know, just, even denominations in general, sometimes church splits, you know, all this infighting, none of this is what God wants. This is not his heart. Uh, we're over here majoring on minor things and end up losing everything. I mean, worship wars, church clothes, what translation of the Bible do you use? Um, what do we call leaders and what, um, what genitals leaders? do yes. those leaders have? Yes. Um, oh, so if that's, uh, no, you can't call them that. They can do the exact same job. Just don't call them that. Uh, you know, just ridiculous stuff. And and what I, well, the other thing I really like, you know, come and mend what we have separated. Yes. We're the ones that separate this stuff. God God didn't separate this stuff. We mm -hmm. We got Paul over here constantly saying things like, um, there is no male and female. There's no Greek or, or, or two. There's no slave or free. We are all one in Christ. Like that, that is what God desires for his people. You know, Paul, uh, talking to the Philippians, like, you know, I, I want you to have one heart and one mind to be devoted to one another and, and think of others ahead of your, yourself. Like, and, and Paul says, which he, he kind of gets me, it's, it's kind of God saying it too. That brings me great joy. Yes. And that brings God great joy when his people get along with each other and serve one another and, and be the church as we are supposed to be, that brings him great joy. And so when we don't, that uh, it's just got to break his heart sometimes to look at us and see the things that we do and often supposedly in his name yes. um, that, that rip us apart and that tear things apart. And that's, you know, yes, there, there is truth that needs to be, we, we need to stand on certain truths and not cross certain lines. But yes, this, this is the truth. This is the gospel. This is, we can't condone, we don't condone everything in the name of, oh, well, we're just trying to be loving. No, that's, God disciplines those he loves. There are still parameters and barriers. There's still, we, we're not defined by the rules and defined by law. We're defined by grace. But that means God loves me even when I'm wrong. That doesn't mean I'm always right. right. And that's an important difference that uh, our culture does not like to understand that if, if I don't tell you right, then clearly I don't love you and think anything of you. I'm supposed to tell you everything you do is right. And that's just not the truth. Um, if you want proof of that, my children will be happy to give you examples of when I tell them they're wrong about stuff. Um, <laughs> that we don't, we don't, we don't hold back on those things at the buyer's house. Um, but yeah, I, those things that we do to separate that they're just not the heart of God are just really, really hard to deal with. And I love how he's come and say, come have mercy on us. It's, you can hear the, the pleading, the, kind of seeking forgiveness for this in a lot of ways. Um, and that takes us into the chorus here, which is great. Um, oh, hallelujah, Christ is with us. In him we live and move and breathe. So with this breath inside our lungs, now and forever, we will sing, hey, we will sing, yeah, we will sing. Yeah. Um, of course, hallelujah, all praise to God. But he's praising God that Jesus is always with us, which yeah. takes me to Hebrews 13, 5, where we're promised, you know, he, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Um, we might push him away, but he's never going to 
just turn his back on us and leave. And, and the line I like in the, in the chorus the most is, in him we live and move and breathe, uh, which is almost what is said in Acts 17.25, yeah. where it says, in him we live and move and have our being. Um, it's not that I'm religious or I follow a, a, the Christian religion. It's that in Jesus, I live, I move, and I breathe. And without him, I'm, I'm nothing. Um, and I think, again, so many times we make it about stuff that we know we're going to have opposition with. Like, I, you know, church splits. We were talking about church splits. Church splits don't normally occur over theology. They occur over prideful things. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I was talking to a friend of mine this week, town fairly close beside us. Their pastor of their church resigned to start another church of the same denomination, of, of the same basic belief system. And I'm going, why? You know, and my guess is somebody said something or the church didn't do what he wanted them to do at a particular time. We've got to refocus, I think, us as the people of God, at least in America, to say it's about Jesus and we're going to focus on him. That might mean you use a different translation, you like a different worship style, you like a different atmosphere in worship. But if it's about Jesus, that's what needs to combine us. Um, he says, there, so the, this breath inside our lungs now and forever we will sing. We have the breath so we can praise God, not so we can kind of harp on other people or condemn people, but so that we can praise God. And we're going to sing. I mean, he says that three times. We will sing. Hey, we will sing. Yeah, we will sing. With the life of Jesus in us, we have to proclaim his glory. I, I don't think there's, you know, I, Jeremiah, book of Jeremiah, he says, I tried to be quiet about God, but inwardly, even my bones burned. In other words, when we are saved, it changes everything about our lives. It just doesn't change our moral um, actions or attitudes. It changes everything about us. And one of those things is the Holy Spirit just almost makes us proclaim, compel. Paul talks about being compelled. You know, you know we, we were laughing because today's my birthday. And uh, I had to teach at Andy's church today because he was gone on a marriage retreat and then we're doing this on Sunday afternoon. I'm making him work on his birthday guys. He's making me work on my birthday but it's not work because I get to talk about <laughs> Jesus and that's what I would love to do just every day um, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. I think of that early church they when they got that gift of tongues and you know they, they were given that gift of tongues in Acts 2 because they're fixed to go out and talk to people of all language groups literally on the face of the earth, because the Jews came from all over to Jerusalem to celebrate the, the, the festivals. And they're sending them out, and they got to be thinking, how are we going to communicate with these people? But they went out, and they spoke boldly. And I think of Peter. You know, Peter, the guy who says to the little serving girl, I don't know, Jesus, how's life that <laughs> And now, to the very same people, probably at least a part of them who were there when Jesus was crucified, he's proclaiming Jesus dead and risen, and as Lord, God in the flesh, so I think that's what the Holy Spirit does. It gives us that ability to proclaim and praise it. Yeah, and it it just changes who we are. To, to have Christ with us, to have that be the thing that, you know, this idea that in him I, I live and move and breathe and have my being. He is the thing that defines me. Yes. Above everything else, who I am is found in Jesus, which means 
if we have differences somewhere else, I can let go. I don't have to to hold on to those differences and focus on those differences because you and I both both have the same Savior. We're both we both have Jesus. We're we're both part of the same family now at this point. And so I mean that's that's what Paul's getting at with that. There's neither male nor female, slave nor free, Greek nor Jew stuff. Like that. Yes, those things are still true. There are still males and there are still females, despite what you may hear on some places these days. You know, I, there were Jews, there were Greeks. Like we, yes, we have nationalities. Yes, we have genders. Yes, we have different occupations and different standings and things. Like all those things are true, but this trumps them all. This is this is greater than all that. I have Jesus, and so and nothing else. We might not have anything else in common, but if we have Jesus in common, we have enough. That's all that we have to have in common, and. That only happens when we have our being in him, when that is the source, that is the epitome of who I am, that nothing else defines me the same way. I mean, yes, I'm I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a pastor, whatever. You can add all these other things. You know, I, I get pretty particular occasionally with certain people, not everybody, but there are certain people because it depends on your motivation for why you're going to call me pastor. Okay. <laughs> Depending on the, the and and. I, I did this when I was a youth pastor. Oh, pastor. You know, they asked me when I came to my church, I'm at now, what do you want us to call you? I was like, well, my name's Andy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even Andy sounds weird. I, I had all of high school and college. I only had a last name. Um, you know that it's fine. If people call me, you know, brother, Andy, pastor, Andy, I, I get passes, especially somewhere older folk. That's just, they're just more comfortable with that, but depends on why they say it. Because there's some people that say it, and it's, I'm going to keep you over here. It's this very formal distance thing, and, oh, this is the pastor. And I'm like, no, please don't. Like, I don't I don't have any sort of doctorate or any of those kinds of things. But, oh, my gosh, you would never know. No one would, if I had one, no one would ever be calling me doctor. If they did, they would be walking away hurting somewhere, somehow, some way. You know, that's that's not who we're called to be because we, those things are not what define us. That is not where my value and my worth is supposed to be found. It's supposed to be found in Jesus. And when when my value is found in Jesus and somebody else's value is found in Jesus, we have the same value because it's all in him and none of that other stuff matters. Yeah. And so we, we have nothing without him. And so that that changes this whole picture of unity because. How can I not be united if we're all part of the same body and part of the same guy and, yeah. and changes the whole thing? You know, being retired, people are struggling. <laughs> and I still have people because we didn't change churches. I just retired and became a normal, regular member of my faith family, which I'm The word normal had quotes around it. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm cool with that. But so many people, I mean, and, and it's, you know, it's respect and I understand that and I appreciate it. But I really try to get them not to do that because that's not who I was. It's not who I am. That's what I did. And I loved it, but that's not who I am. But one of the things that really talked to me about unity was going back to the summer when we, we worked with the pastors from a, another country. And we were worshiping, and they're singing in their language, and we're singing in ours. But we were worshiping together. It didn't matter. They were using a different language to praise God than us. Yeah. We were praising him the same way. And that was just so almost overwhelming. Uh, as as we would sing, because I'm thinking God's hearing our prayer in whatever language we're going to speak in heaven. I have a friend who says it's Spanish. <laughs> yeah, the, the heavenly language. Know. Could be English. Food but, sounds way better in Spanish, so I'm does. willing to go with that. So. Um, 
But I was thinking that's so cool because he's hearing our praises lifted to him. And it doesn't matter. It's in a different language. We're praising the same person. We're praising Jesus. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So I've experienced that same thing uh, in in other places and other, other languages. I, one of the looking back, not always at the moment, but looking back, uh, we used to host at, at a previous church I worked at. We hosted a Spanish portion of our States Evangelism Conference, met at our church. And I was the youth guy, which meant slash sound, slash tech, slash anything that has to plug in and use electricity. Um, you're young. You know how to use that. Um, and so I got to run like the PowerPoint projections and stuff for the Spanish evangelism worship service. Um, no hablo. Okay. Um, I said food sounds good. I can order food. I know what I'm eating in Spanish. And then I know how to ask where the bathroom is after I eat it. Um, that's, that's about my limit. I know. And I know churchy words thanks to this because I had to keep up with slides and, and I don't know the language I've experienced that in South Africa. Cause some of the times either I just don't know the song or occasionally they, cause they have like four official languages there. And so they mix into some of those. And there's times where we're singing something and I have no idea what these actual words are, but I can tell what the spirit of this moment yeah. is. I can tell who we're worshiping in this moment. So I can still worship on the inside. I can still join them in that, even if I can't verbalize the words. Right. And sometimes I'm verbalizing words that are on the screen that I don't really know what I'm saying, but I'm going to keep going because this <laughs> we're talking to Jesus and he knows what it means. And so he's going to understand our hearts. And it's, it's a really cool experience to do it that. Is. Is. Um, so that brings us to the second verse. I, I said it already sounds like he's asking for forgiveness. Now we get blatant. Yes. Uh, Father, we come for forgiveness. We have surrendered to fears of our day turning brothers and sisters to enemies. Jesus, we need your grace. Um, Father, we come to, we come for forgiveness. You know, first John 1, 9 um, is a verse I use quite frequently for myself to confess. But when we confess it, he cleanses, he not only forgives us of the sin, he cleanses the guilt and the stain of that sin away from us. But I really thought about Second Chronicles 7 to 14 as applies here to the church. Because he's saying in Second Chronicles 7 to 14, Solomon is praying to God. And he's saying, you know, if, if, you will, if, if you will hear your people when they cry out to you. And God says back, I will. If my people who are called by my name, we recognize his ownership of us, will, will pray, stay connected with me will seek my face, not my blessings, not my hands, but my face, my presence, and turn from their wicked ways. We need to acknowledge. I think one of the greatest things the church can do is go, we were wrong. We were wrong about that. We were wrong. I mean, I grew up in a church in the South, 50s, 60s, where black people could not come to the church I was at. It was white on, whites only. And then we had black churches that were black only. And I'm thinking how that must have hurt and just broken God's heart. And I think, have we ever, have we ever said, you know, we go to Southern Baptist churches, and as we've mentioned, Southern Baptists came because we didn't want black people in our church. We were against uh, uh, emancipation. Have we ever said we were wrong? We were dead wrong about that. We asked for forgiveness. I remember being in Atlanta, Georgia, at a Promise Keepers conference back when promise keepers was a thing and big and uh it was a it was a it was a clergy conference and one of the things 
on one of the afternoons they ask us to do is is to go apologize to a person or a group of people and there were some black pastors sitting down below me and I, I went and I said I'm sorry because I grew up thinking black people were less than me and my church reinforced that in a lot of ways so to me when he says father we come for forgiveness it's not just the nation but it's it's the church that we seek forgiveness from him but I also think of Nehemiah who goes before God and and confesses and Daniel does the same thing in the book of Daniel they confess the sins of their forefathers they weren't responsible no but they acknowledge that and I think that's so important for the church today that we don't come off as this prideful arrogant um, holier-than-thou people that we admit we screwed up just like everybody else and there's times when we as a church screwed up and then we have surrendered to the fears of our day um, you know Joshua 1 9 that whole that whole second part of the first chapter of Joshua God is telling Joshua be strong and courageous be strong and courageous be strong and courageous because I'm with you um, but then 2nd Timothy 1 7 where he says, uh, you've been not, you, you, we have not been given the spirit of timidity, but we've been given the spirit of love, power, and sign mind or self-control, whatever your translation reads. When we fear things that are temporary, they're not of God. I mean, we're to fear God, but that doesn't mean we hide cringing from it. It means we have a healthy respect for who he is and what he can do. But when we fear man-made things, or we fear, and I hear a lot of people, they're so afraid our nation is going to turn to socialism or we're going, you know, all these things. And I'm going, you know what? I read the end of the book. I know who wins and I know what he does. And so, no, I don't like these things, but they don't bring fear to me. Or I, I see a lot of Christians when they talk about second coming, it's like it's it's like a a, a John Carpenter film, you know, it's, it's like a horror film. Oh, my gosh, no. It's for us as believers, if we're still alive here, I'm counting on already being raptured personally, but if we're still here, it's going to be a glorious day for us. So we don't have to fear those things. And when we do, I think what he says in that next phrase there, turning brothers and sisters into enemy. You know, I think the world looks at the church and it sees us fighting against each other. And it goes, why do I need that? I mean, I get that in my everyday life. I don't need that. <laughs> In, in something that's not supposed to do that. I mean, in John 13, 35, they'll know we are Christians by our love. We'll know that we're disciples of Jesus by our love. In John 17, 23, he says, they'll know when you're united, one, as the Father and I are one, they'll know. Uh, and then he ends this with my favorite, maybe line in the whole thing, Jesus, we need your grace. Um, we, we don't... Outside of God's, outside of God's grace, we don't have any, we don't have any shot. I mean, there's no hope. Um, I, I still get my, my people at my church when I preach through grace for a whole year. They still remember that. They, I don't think they remember anything else I ever preached in that <laughs> church for eight years. But they remember the year we talked about grace for the whole year, because grace is so vitally important. I think sometimes we forget when we've been Christians for a while. Outside of grace. I would be like all those people that I don't like, and they probably don't like me. Uh, but yeah, to me, that was that second verse is, is also a very powerful verse, because you're right. He's coming directly and saying, forgive us, forgive us. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that forgiveness and that grace was so key, because we, we have such a tendency to forget that we needed that. <laughs> yeah. 
and, and it becomes us versus them when we look out at the world and see things that are different than what we believe and what we think mm -hmm. and what how we think it should be and so that's what we make it and god is clear this is not a us versus them thing you ephesians armor god your battle not against flesh and blood it's against right. it's against deeper darker scarier things and that is not against other people other people those are just people that need to know jesus yeah. they're just i, I read Somebody, I don't even remember who used phrase in some book. They're like, yeah, I don't, I don't like the term unbeliever. I just say pre-Christian. I'm going to give them some hope. <laughs> um, but that's, that's the goal here. You know, that we just, that's just somebody that hadn't joined the family yet. And our mission, our goal as the children of God, as Jesus's followers and disciples is to go and make them disciples, to bring them into the family. Um, I, I am never called as a believer to win a victory. Right. Not once. We like to talk about that. Oh, I'm going to have victory over this. I'm going to have victory over that. But we do it in terms of I'm going to have victory. We, we use phrases like I, you need to save people to save souls. I have never saved anyone's soul. I will never save anyone's soul. I do not have the ability to save anyone's soul. Right. Jesus does that, which means if Jesus is the one doing that, Jesus is the one winning the victories. I don't have to go and do that, which means they're not my enemy. I don't have to fight them. I'm supposed to love them so that Jesus can win over their hearts and bring them over, you know? We, we love to read David and Goliath, and we love to think that we're David. We're not. We are Saul and the Israelites standing on the hill, too scared to go out and do anything, and Jesus has to come save us. Because not only are they scared of Goliath, they're right to be scared, because if any of them walked in that valley, Goliath kills them. God sends David down there because God's going with him, and God wins that victory. No human being could go down there and defeat Goliath. Goliath is right. From a human perspective, none of those guys could beat him. Right. Okay. Um, it's 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 NBA All Star Weekend. They just had a, a three point contest between Steph Curry and um, Ionescu. I don't know how to say her name. Sorry. She's she's this really good three point shooter in the WNBA, right? And they had a nice close contest. But I remember when I was a kid, Cheryl Swoops played one on one with Michael Jordan, and he just toyed with her like. It was just nothing. Like, there were, you were not beating him. Because, number one, Michael Jordan does not lose at anything. It's every story you ever read about the dude. He's just, that's what made him Michael Jordan. You know? We're not going to win this victory anyway. Like, if we make this in us versus them, we're going to lose. And that's not who God calls us to be. God tells us to to love our enemies, to turn the other cheek, to, the, you know, those are the kinds of things God says to us. He doesn't say, go out there and argue people into the kingdom of God until they submit <laughs> To what I have told them to do, it never tells us to do that. And yet that's the attitude I see so often that we think we're, we're going to argue people in the kingdom. We're going to um, legislate people into the kingdom of God. That don't work either. Read the Old Testament. They had the best laws you could possibly have. They came straight from God. And guess what? They couldn't follow him and it didn't work because that's not enough. We need Jesus. We need his grace. And that's that's the cry of the second verse. Like, yeah. Stop letting us be scared of stuff and just trust you and follow you. And remember that we needed your grace just as much as those people do. Um, and that brings us to this. There's a bridge that repeats several times and then goes back into the chorus. But uh, there's really only three lines to this bridge. It just gets repeated a few times. It says, your love unites us. Your love unites us, Lord. Oh, what can separate us from? Um, Romans 8, 38 and 39 just jumped out at me. Um, what can separate us from the love of God and he goes over everything in the invisible spiritual creation everything in the physical creation he says no none of this can separate us 
we're always going to have differences in the church. I mean, just like any other family, you have differences. And the church is a family. It's not an organization. It's not a club. Um, it's, it's not a fraternal organization. It is a family. It's a living organism. And we're going to have differences. But the thing that has to unite us is Jesus and his love for us. And if we'll focus on Jesus and just proclaim Jesus and let the Holy Spirit then bring the conviction. You know, you're talking about you didn't say two people's souls. No. And we don't bring conviction. No. You know, um, that's the Holy Spirit's job. But I think a lot of times we become so fearful of the things that we shouldn't be fearful of that we, we think I've, I've got to make these people. You know, I've got to. It's almost like a debate. Evangelism is like is for a lot of people it's like a debate. I got my Bible, and I'm going to convince you that I'm right about this, and you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I'll never forget somebody knocking on my door one day. I went to the door. There was these two people standing there, introduced themselves, told me they were with this particular church, and they wanted to know, did I have a relationship with God? And I said, yes, I have a relationship with God. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. He's Lord and Savior. And then the very next question, no, oh, not, boy, that's awesome. That's great. The very next question is, well, what Bible do you use? You know, <laughs> only the King James is the only Bible that can really save you. I said, there is no, no Bible ever written, ever printed that can save you. Only Jesus Man, can I save you. I feel bad for the 1,600 years between Jesus and that Bible <laughs> being written where nobody got saved. I know. They did call them the Dark Ages, they but did. I don't think that's what it meant. You know, no, it's Jesus, his love for us. And nothing can separate us from that. Um, and so, yeah, we need to be united. But the only thing that's going to do it is when we quit trying to say, it's got to be my way, and we just focus on Jesus and let him do it. Yeah. You know, getting getting past all these petty things, all these man-made things, all these, you know, uh, measuring sticks a lot of times that we like to use that, oh, see, this this one's better, and I use this one. And so you need to, you know... None of these things matter. Um, it all it all fades away when we we come to the presence of God. I, I love the song "How He Loves" by Crowder. Because mm -hmm. um, and, and and if you ever listen to a Crowder song, you're like, yeah, this is okay. Wait for the bridge. Okay, this is where this is where the man's lyrics shine. All right, he's building to the bridge nine times out of ten. You know, I, but it's you know I don't have time to maintain these regrets and and all this stuff that it all fades away when I think about the way that he loves us, all this stuff that I think is so important that I think I need to hold on to that is so vital. It fades away when I think about how much I'm loved by God and it changes the way that I can interact with people and deal with people. And, and when I said this before, no, it doesn't, it doesn't mean we just condone all sin and just wipe away all the stuff, but it means I get to love those people. God tells us to love enemies. He tells us to turn other cheeks. He tells us to pray for people that persecute us. There's, there's never a moment where we are supposed to, argue someone down that's not evangelism like you said like that's that's not what it is evangelism is i'm here to tell you the good news that jesus loves you you know and when we do that man walls come down mm -hmm. barriers come down sometimes not not everybody i'm not telling you every person you walk up to and tell them jesus loves them they're gonna be good with that no. i've told somebody jesus loves them and they had very uh, not loving <laughs> things to say back to me about that um you know but that's a completely different conversation than a for lack of a better term, then a turn or burn conversation that plenty of people have. Here's what you need to do. And here's what you need to change. And you need to be different. Let's start with Jesus loves you exactly where you are. 
Now, he also loves you enough that you're not going to stay exactly right. who you are. If right. you have a relationship with Jesus, that's true for every last one of us. We are not the same. We become a new creation, and we all need to be new creations. Uh, that's that's not unique to some certain, oh, well, you know, those people that and we engage in that, they really know you and I, we all needed to be new creations. We all had brokenness um, because we were all separated from God. And that's all there is. God, God deals in black and white on and off. Either you know me or you don't. This is the only choice that matters. And that choice leads to other choices, but it starts with that one choice. And that's, that's what unifies us. That's why we can have unity and still have all these, some differences of opinion, some different styles of worship, all this. There are so many things that are different about us. Even, even within one church family, there's plenty of things that are different. Okay. Um, You're listening to a podcast done by the buyers boys we are different okay we know it we embrace it we've given up we didn't really try that hard to change it but even if we had our wives might have tried occasionally to change some of it they gave up years ago yeah, too um if we have even jesus our, that, even your children and your and my grandchildren oh yeah 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 they, <laughs> they, they caved even faster because they had two generations to look at and go and there's no hope of changing some of this stuff um and their, their mother loves to remind them occasionally, yeah, and you have those genetics. I just married into this. So, And they look at her and go, well, you're the crazier one. Then we, we didn't have a choice. you know. But what a difference it would make to the world if they saw a church that truly lived mm-hmm. this out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that's, you, you quoted earlier. That's what Jesus tells us. This is how the world's going to know you. It's not, it's not by your theology. It's not by your moral principles. It's not by your voter registration card. That's not how the world is going to know who you are. It's going to be no, because you love each other in a way that is supernatural, that is not normal. And that's what changes us. That's what's supposed to make the church look different. Yeah, yeah it, I, I summed up what I think, I, at least what I got out of, out of what he's saying in this talk. The issues and problems in this world, which are real, find their only solution in Jesus. The church must, though, come together in love and unity to show the world Jesus. I mean, when it talks about the church being the body of Christ, we're the hands, we're the feet, we're the voice. They can't go and see Jesus. They can read scripture, but as you pointed out, without the work of the Spirit, without a person being a believer and having the Spirit, they can't do those things that that Jesus tells us to do. And they're not going to understand the Word in the in the way that they need to understand it to be able to apply those things so jesus gave them us we are his hands we're his feet we're his voice and so we've got to show the love of jesus and we've got to be in unity with each other to be able to show the world jesus the only one who can change it yeah yeah that 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 unity is what proves to the world that we belong to him and that there's something different and something worthwhile with us, because mm-hmm. that's something the world doesn't understand that the world can't do on its own. Yeah. Um, don't believe me? Turn on the news. Um, we, we don't do this well at all. Not even close. Yeah. So, so that's the Unity Hymn from Mike Donahue. Um, and uh, we'll be back with you guys next week with, with another episode. Bye, guys.